0: Let's stand up with me, if you would, and we'll pray. And Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Thank you for the release of your energy, your presence, and your grace. Thank you for energizing our minds and our hearts and transforming our thinking to rise up to levels of power and authority and blessing and love and grace and truth and joy and peace beyond anything we've ever known. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be seated and... If you have your Bibles, you can open to Genesis 12, we're going to look at Abraham, and I'm doing a series on Melchizedek, most people, even if they know their Bibles, never heard the name Melchizedek, but it's important, <laughs> so we're covering it, and it's relevant to where we're at today, I believe. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Genesis 12, verse 1, and... Uh... <laughs> says now the lord said to abram get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that i will show you and i will make you a great nation i will bless you and i will make your name great and you shall be a blessing and i will bless those who curse you <laughs> I will bless those who bless you. Sorry. And I will curse him who curses you. This is the important part. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Here's what I want you to see. Actually, uh, alright, so, you know I like to go a little bit deeper than what's on the surface in the scripture. So there's the literal historical interpretation of God calling Abram so that he could begin... The nation of Israel, right? But there's also a deeper meaning in it. And you see some bookends here. So the first thing he says is, Now the Lord said to Abram. Now, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes when you see the word now, it's not just transitioning from one thought to the next. It's actually pointing, because he doesn't say and, right? Right? So it's not just a conjunction connecting ideas, it's actually revealing something that has eternal application. So in other words, it's a now moment that Abram is being invited by God to step into, but because in him all the families of the earth shall be blessed, past, present, and future, it also becomes a now moment for us to step into. So then in the New Testament, when you read in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul calls Abraham, who Abram later becomes, right? Calls Abraham what? The father of faith, right? So in a sense, he becomes the pattern. He becomes the first in a series. He becomes the archetype. In Romans chapter 4, it says that God's blessing was not just for Abram, but it was for anyone who would walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. So the same steps that he had to walk through, we have to walk through to inherit the same blessing. So therefore, when it says now, it's inviting you to step into the experience in the same way. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that Abraham, because the re- be- becomes the representation and the vehicle through whom God is going to restore the blessing that was lost in Eden to all the family groups of the earth. That's what God's doing. That's what God's up to here. And he tells him he has to do a few things. He has to get away from his country. He has to get away from his family. And he has to get away from his father's house. So I want you to look at that in terms of boundaries. Everybody just say with me, boundaries. All right, so country is the broader boundary. Country is the broader boundary, but it exercises an influence. I'm an American. It's all I've ever been. It's all I've ever known is U.S. citizenship. So I think like an American. Now, I can't appreciate that the, the real significance of that if I don't visit other countries <laughs> or if I don't get to know people from other countries. And when I get to know people from other countries, I find out they think very differently about things than perhaps Americans do. So being an American or belonging to a country or being a citizen of a country uh, also means that you have adopted certain worldviews and certain ways of being and certain ways of thinking that, of course, we assume are correct and true and solid. But they actually can create boundaries. So... Abram has to get away from his country in the same way you don't have to leave the country, but you have to be aware that your citizenship creates boundaries for your thinking, though those boundaries may be broad. Second thing he tells him to get away from is his family. Now, he's not talking just about his nuclear family. He's talking about his broader family. So again, this is a boundary, right? So my citizenship influences my thinking, so I think like an American. I heard a speaker this week, I went to the Global Leadership Summit at Fellowship of the Rockies that they were hosting, and I heard a a speaker this week, and he was talking about multiculturalism. And he wanted to give an example of how uh, our prejudices affect the way that we think. And so he was talking about a research that he did, and he found, uh, uh, as part of his research, he was looking at a journal from a teenager who was going to study abroad for the first time, and uh, he went into Venezuela, And he begins to point out the prejudices in the journal. And one of the things that he said there was, he said, it's the 4th of July. It was his entry on July 4th. It's the 4th of July. It's so strange to be in a country where they're not celebrating. I'm so glad that I was born here. And he's bringing up this really bad example. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I feel so sorry for this this poor person. You know, This is being broadcast to 750 sites around the world. Of course, they didn't use his name. But still, if I'm that guy and that's my journal and then of course the speaker concludes and he says this uh teenager was me you know 30 years ago or something and so he he was talking about how his perspective had broadened and had expanded so it yeah. makes the same point right? right but then our family also dictates things to us as well we we p- we pick up habits and certain things from our our, our family any of you ever met a cousin that acted like one of your siblings or at least had some similarities or you could begin to see similar family traits and any of you ever want to get away from that <laughs> and so Abram's being invited to get away from his familial thinking make sense and then what but that's that's a that's a smaller circle and it also produces more limiting ways of thinking. Now, you, one of the best things I ever did was I read the book um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how much of it is based on the guy's actual life and how much of it is just a parabolic way of telling the story. But he's, he's born to a, what he calls his poor dad, which would be wealthy by most of our standards <laughs> when he starts talking about what his poor dad had. <laughs> and then his rich dad, who was his friend's dad, who mentored him on how to handle money. And he compares in there the way poor dad thinks versus the way rich dad thinks, right? And so poor, one of the most, you know, shifts and changes that, that he had to go through was that when you're poor, you work For your money. When you're rich, you take your money and make your money work for you. Right? And so again, it just goes to show how limited thinking can become based on the family that you grew up in. Did you grow up in a poor family? Did you grow up in a rich family? You you, you get the point. And we can look at that in many different scenarios and aspects. Now, the reason these things are so powerful for us is because they impact us at levels of our subconscious thinking. We literally become programmed to think certain ways, and it just feels natural, and it feels right, and it feels like that's the way it's supposed to be. And we don't realize, even, that... uh, that it's a problem for us, that it's setting up limitations for us. Right? So get away from your country, get away from your family, get away from your father's house. In other words... For Abram to go through the process that God wants to take him through to become the father of faith, he has to get out of something. Then he says, I will make you great. The word great there means to be bigger and more expanded. So in other words, if you can leave these limited ways of thinking that you picked up and that you inherited, if you can leave those limited ways of thinking, then you can you 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 actually begin to become something greater and move into something greater. I'll make you a great nation. I'll take you to a land that I will show you and I will make your name great. In other words, when I let go of the limited way of thinking, it opens the doorway for greatness to be manifested in my life and to be manifested around me. And it's the same process then that we go through if we're going to be children of Abraham or walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham and receive the same blessing. Now, notice what God says here. God did not say, he said, if you do these things, I will bless you, future tense. He did not say, I bless you, to go and do these things. (laughs) If you will do these things, if you'll examine your own thinking, and you'll find the limitations within your own thinking, and you'll have a willingness to get out of that place, then God says to Abram, I will bless you. Right now, the word blessing, and we don't really know what that means. We bless our food, we bless each other. Bless you, sister. I I, I finish most of my emails instead of sincerely or yours truly or whatever. I just put blessings and my name. Right. So it's a word that we just kind of throw around. Somebody sneezes and we say what? God bless you. Right. But in in the in the Hebrew, it's the word berakah, and when you look it up, it's a very very powerful word. It it literally means to to infuse with power in order to make you great. To infuse with power in order to make you successful. To in, infuse with power in order to cause you to increase. It is the power to prosper. It is to uh, give you ingenious ideas, <laughs> different ways of thinking that allow you to expand and manifest your greatness. It is a literal from god that makes you great and that expands you so god can't expand or make abram great as long as he's stuck in the same mindsets and he can't expand you or make you great as long as you and i are stuck in the same mindsets you see it there and he says i will bless you so then that begs the question when did god bless him and that's what leads us then to genesis Chapter 14, where he meets this guy we've been talking about for the last several weeks called Melchizedek. Genesis 14, verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. This is the part. He was the priest of God Most High, the highest place from God he's coming from. And he's the priest. Now what a priest did, especially in ancient culture, was became the mediator, really, of the power of God. And so God wants to bless Abram, but he's gotta send a priest to do it. He's gotta send a mediator to do it. See, in Genesis 12, God says, I will bless you. After that, Abram, after the meeting with Melchizedek, Abram's blessed. If you follow the flow of it through the story. So most people don't realize that the blessing of Abraham was mediated by Melchizedek, the high priest. I've never heard that taught, and yet it's right there in the scriptures. It didn't just come out of heaven. And here's the blessing. He said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Now, it sounds there like God Most High is the possessor of heaven and earth, but actually the way the Apostle Paul reads it in the book of Romans chapter 4, it's to Abram who's the possessor of Or it's ambiguous. What God has, he's taking and infusing in Abram. But here's the key. Abram's representing all the families of the earth. So really, when Melchizedek comes, he's mediating the blessing of God... And he's God's representative. And Abram comes as the representative of all of humanity, of all the family groups of the earth. And he on behalf of humanity. So you've got Melchizedek bringing the blessing on behalf of God Most High as his priest. And you've got Abram who is the representation of all humanity who becomes the receptacle or the receiver of the blessing that's being mediated. So blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So it's an empowerment from on high that then empowers him to have victory over the enemy. See it? So we took Melchizedek's name, Mike, if you could put that slide up. We took Melchizedek's name From the Hebrew, and this is what we came up with. I don't have time to do it again. For those of you that missed it, you'll have to go back three or four weeks. But here's what the name Melchizedek means. It means the water above us. Now water in Hebraic thinking is also consciousness. So the consciousness from above, the higher mind of Christ, a higher way of thinking, right? My ways are higher than your ways, it says in Isaiah, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. So Melchizedek represents the thoughts above, the water above, got it? So the water above us, or the higher consciousness, or the mind of God, descending and binding to our hearts, where it is received and then releases our full spiritual potential. Joining heaven and earth together, creating a door for the manifestation of heaven upon earth. The water above. Now, I'm gonna keep repeating this. Don't get lost in this. This isn't that important if you don't get it. Don't, Don't get lost in this. But in the Hebrew, every letter is also a number. So when someone who reads Hebrew understands the numerology of Hebrew, they're not only looking at letters and words, they're looking at numbers. They could be looking at a book or a ledger. just depends on how they're processing it. So Melchizedek begins with Mem, which is the number 40, which is the number for a generation. So it's a generation from above. Everybody say with me, a generation from above. Then you see it descending in tithes or tenths. So the first one is Mem, 40 Lamed, 30 Kaf, 20 Yod, 10 Then Sadi is the next number And it's 90 But sometimes they would ignore the 0 So you have 9 Now how long does it take So you have a generation, 40 Meeting 9, a seed Or how long does it take For something to germinate and come to fullness in the womb. Nine months. So what you see then is the water above. Descending so that there can be a new birth. A new seed. A new seed. A new birth. A new birth. Something being born. Nine. nine, The number of gestation. Generate. Got it? And then... Abram, the last letter is a uh, Mem, so you have another 40, you have another generation. So you see this descent of the consciousness into Abram <laughs> to, to raise him up and manifest something in the earth, right? So that's why when you get to Genesis 15, it says, After these things, after what things? After Abram was blessed of God by Melchizedek. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, now, not just those things, but also the fact that he left his country, he left his family, and he left his father's house. See, he had to do that first. Melchizedek met him in the promised land to bless him. In the land that God would show him. So he had to get out of those limited ways of thinking and get into the right place so that he could receive the right blessing from the right person. (laughs) A lot of patterns there. But you see it? So then after he receives the blessing, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision, Genesis 15:1, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house will be my heir. So he starts talking to him about birth, right? And the word of the Lord said, this one shall not be your heir, but one that will come from your own body. And then he brought him outside. So he's getting him outside again. Get out of the limited ways of thinking. And here's, and, and, and the word of the Lord's coming to him in a vision and begins to interact with Abram's own perceptions. (laughs) What are you going to give me seeing? Everybody say seeing. Seeing I go childless. And look, Eleazar of Damascus will be my heir. And so God says get out of that paradigm or get out of that perception or get out of that way of looking at things. So He takes him out. He doesn't just necessarily take him out of, outside from inside to show him the stars. He takes him out out of his own perceptions and then says look up and look into the higher consciousness look up into the heavens and see the stars if you're able to count them so shall your seed be that will come from your own body quit looking at what's right in front of you that's being dictated to you by the limitations of your current reality instead step outside of that consciousness and receive the higher mind of heaven Right, the higher consciousness the vision that comes from God. And so what a Melchizedek encounter or what the Melchizedek priesthood does is it opens the heavens over your life and pours out a real empowerment that allows you to get out of the traps of your own mind, out of the strongholds of your own consciousness, out of the limitations of your own perceptions of what can be in your future without the touch of God upon it. Say, this is what I'm limited to without the power of God. This is what I'm limited to without the blessing of God. This is what I'm limited to without the intervention of the divine. But now I'm getting out of it, and I'm seeing something else, and so now the water from above can pour into my consciousness, so that an Isaac can be born. And Isaac's name means laughter, or means joy. So here's the reality of it, when God begins to interact with your heart, because remember, the water from above is received where? It's bound where? Into the heart. And the heart is the place that feels. The heart is the place that desires. The heart is the place that yearns. The psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord. And what? He will give you the desires of your heart. Right? So heart is a place of yearning. Heart is a place of desire. And so therefore it is also the place, listen carefully, it is the place most impacted by disappointment. The heart is a place where you begin to conceive a vision for your future. The heart is a place that cries out inside of you and says, I was made for more than this. You ever feel like you were made for more than what you're getting in life? You ever feel like there's, there's got to be more satisfaction out there, there's got to be more adventure, there's got to be more joy, there's got to be more passion, there's got to be more freedom, there's got to be... there's. See, that's, the, that's your spiritual potential speaking to you from your heart that needs that divine connection of the blessing in order to manifest itself. So Abram is crying out in his heart for a child. He's crying out in his heart for a legacy. He's crying out in his heart for a future. He's thinking, he's thinking really, really what he's, I mean, you you gotta understand the man's name means exalted father. The The man's name means the exalted father who has no kids. Now in, in scripture, names have very much to do with your nature. So his intrinsic nature, the way he was, the way he came into the earth from God was, was to manifest his nature, which was to be a father. And yet the circumstances of his life prevented him from ever being able to do it. So His destiny scroll, his, 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 his vibration, His coat, His soul, His heart is crying out to manifest why He came here. It's crying out to manifest who He's supposed to be in the earth. The, the divine part of Him is crying out for expression. And the deepest disappointments of our lives are the disappointments that are connected to the manifestation of our identity. When you can't be your authentic self, when you can't be your true self, when you cannot allow your true desires to come to the surface and to to, to taste them and to pursue them and to go after them. Or to taste them and to pursue them and to go after them and have an idea of what's supposed to manifest, but instead you get the exact opposite. Devastating disappointment. Right. Joseph, your brothers—he has a dream. Watch how this works. Joseph, your brothers are going to bow down to you. He's the he's second youngest, second to the youngest. You're all, your brothers are going to come and bow down to you. Even not only your brothers, but your mother and father are going to come and bow down to you. And he says, "Hey, I've discovered who I am and why I'm here." And what's the very next thing that happens? His brothers sell him into slavery. (laughs) They throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery, and dad thinks he's dead. Dad doesn't even go out looking for him because he's so convinced by the power of a lie. That'll preach right there. What has prevented you from going after what your heart desires because you believed the power of a lie? You believed the false evidence appearing real, that your brothers, your your sons and daughters, whatever, the things in your life presented to you. That's a message for another time. So Joseph has a desire, but he experiences the exact opposite he said, david i 'm anointing you as king David didn't even get invited to his own party. That just there is something in that i 've never quite been able to grasp here 's what I mean. Samuel comes to anoint one of jesse 's sons as kings, and so Jesse lines up all his sons and except David. What was it about David that his father had rejected him? And how did that impact and affect David's life and development? His dad didn't even think enough of him to present him, but presented all the others. Finally, Samuel has to look at him and say, Don't you have any other sons? Well, we got that one kid always playing the harp. Go get him and bring him before me. David was born to be king. And God anoints him, Samuel anoints him, and God blesses him. It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He's to be king, but what happens? He ends up running, Saul starts throwing spears at him, and he ends up running, he ends up in a cave, hiding from the, the, the established system. He receives the exact opposite of what the desire of his heart was. And so it's not uncommon. This is what the scripture is showing us. It's not uncommon to meet with setbacks. It's not uncommon to meet with disappointments. But here's what the Bible says. Hope deferred makes the heart what? sick. So here's Abram with a desire to manifest who he is in the earth, a desire to manifest his greatness, a desire to manifest his destiny and why he came, and yet he's met with disappointment, and so his heart is sick. And so when the waters come from above, where do they meet? Where do they bind according to what we looked at? In the heart. So what that means is, is that the word of the Lord will meet you at the deepest place of your disappointment. Meet you at the deepest place of your devastation. Meet you at the hardest valley you ever walked through in your life, whether you're going through it now or you went through it then. See, a lot of, see, the scriptures say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they shall what? Comfort me. But see, we expect to experience that in the moment. What we don't realize is that sometimes the event is over. The devastation has happened. And the disappointment has happened. But our scars have not healed. Our wounds have not healed. And so we find ourselves trying to move into a future still anchored to the pain of our past. And I've got news for you. You may be out of the valley physically, but still in the valley internally, and there is a shepherd there who restores your soul, who anoints your head with oil, and who prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, who's about to meet you, because when the blessing of Melchizedek comes, the higher consciousness meets you at the places of the most devastation and disappointment and brokenness of your life. So that you can process it with God. You can process it in the presence of the I am that I am. The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Why does He need to be the God who was? Because sometimes you're left thinking in your darkest hour that God wasn't there. Where was God when that little girl was being raped? Where was God when the baby died? Where was God when I went through disappointment upon my job? Where was God when I went through betrayal? Where was God 10 years ago when that happened to me. I couldn't find Him anywhere. But God steps in and says, I'm not just the I am that I am right now. And I'm not just a God about your future. But I'm also the God of the past. I'm also the God who was. And I'm not limited by time and space. So I can step right into your valley right now with my rod of strength and power and comfort. I can anoint you in that place even though it was 10 years ago. And I can give you the victory because blessed be Abram who who represents all the families of the earth by God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Come and sit at the table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. So God, when He touches your consciousness, you first have to find out He's the God who was. He's the God who steps into all the mentality formed by your past, by your country, by your family and by your father's house and he begins to walk you out of what was and then he says I am that I am I'm the God of right now who's taking control of your life and I am the one who is to come so I'm going to help you map out and I'm going to help you co-create and by my blessing and by my power I'm going to turn you from Abram the exalted father who has no kids and I'm going to put the H of my name inside you so the divine nature inside you the power the Spirit inside you so that you become Abraham the father of many nations and it's the same process for you and me and it's by grace let's look at this and we'll be done John chapter 3 you doing alright John 3 There was a man, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night, comes to him in the dark, and says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's... Kind of a bad translation. If you have a good study Bible, it'd have a footnote and an asterisk in there, because what it what he literally says is, unless you are born from above Now what's the first part? What does Melchizedek's name mean? The waters from above that descend and join in our bind in our heart to manifest our spiritual potentials, to become a doorway through which the kingdom of heaven can be manifested upon the earth. Now, keep that in mind when Jesus is talking, because here comes Nicodemus before our high priest who's after the order of Melchizedek. (laughs) See it? And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say this to you. The wind blows where it wishes. Oh, Jesus. The wind has a desire to move from here to here. The wind has a wish to go in this direction. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. See, we have taken in our country the phrase born again, and we've made an identity out of it as what a Christian is. I'm a born again Christian because I prayed a prayer. And so we think then, we can interpret this passage, because I'm a born-again Christian, I'm born of the Spirit. No. You can be a Christian, pray the prayer, be saved, whatever, however you want to look at it, go to heaven when you die, and still be stuck in the limitations of your own thinking and the lower consciousness. To be born from above is to have the higher consciousness impacting you. Because here's the thing about birth birth and creation are not the same thing the baby is formed already been created and a process has already begun in the mother's womb but it's hidden and it's protected it's not born until it comes into the earth so all this stuff's going on in your consciousness, see? So so the waters descend from above and meet you in your heart, the place of your disappointment, the place of your devastation, the place of your pain, and God, the God who was, begins to walk you out of your past, but all that's hidden. Nothing's manifested yet. It's all going on inside. Therefore, you have not yet been born from above. You've been in... Can I say it this way? You've been impregnated, you've been incubated, you've been forming new thought forms and new belief systems and new patterns that aren't ruled by family and country and father's house, but nothing's manifested yet. It's not manif- it's not born until it's manifested. It's not born until it becomes stable and predictable and changes your life. Right? I said predictable, but I'm using that term loosely and I'll show you why. And look what Jesus says. If you've been born of water, water from above, and the Spirit, you're like the wind. You can go where you wish. See, what this does, what the higher consciousness does, is it frees up the power of your desire to want and wish and desire and to be able to move in it and manifest it. Abram desired to have a child, but he couldn't manifest it until the higher waters hit him. Until the word of the Lord came to him in a vision. See it? Now, here's a problem. Our problem is, in fact, that most of us are predictable. That which is born of flesh is flesh. So when your mind is patterned after the lower consciousness, the lower mind or the flesh, you're predictable because you're reactionary. So Have you ever met somebody, you know what they're going to do before they do it? You kind of know what they're thinking? Before they're thinking it? Or, yeah? That's not moving in the spirit. So we're reactionary. Somebody hurts us, what do we want to do? Hurt them back. Or commiserate or throw a pity party. Right? We get up to breaking a certain limitation and we shrink back in fear. We get up to breaking a limitation and we shrink back in fear. We get up to a limitation and we shrink back in fear. We're predictable. I know the things that are going to make me angry and I get angry every time. I know the things that are going to make my kids upset and they get upset every time. He's playing with that. I know if I take that away from him, he's going to get upset and we become conditioned so that really we don't live life we become automated response machines that just respond and react sometimes when we go through disappointment we say I'll never try that again I'll never put myself out on a limb again I'll never go there again and here's the problem with the law the law patterns you to become predictable so here comes Nicodemus the teacher of Israel who's trying, a ruler of the Jews, who's trying to get them all to conform to the same pattern so that there's predictability. And see, there's a certain amount of comfort in predictability. There's a certain amount of safety in predictability. Even if we know it's going to be bad, at least we know it's going to be. (laughs) And so we stay comfortable in the realm of our own predictability and we fight to maintain it. So we stay safe and sound and limited and settling for less while in our hearts we're always crying out for more. So if we're going to be people of the Spirit, if we're going to have this new birth, (laughs) then we have to come to the place that we sacrifice our own predictability or the predictability of our own life that we've been trying to control. We have to slay it at the altar of sacrifice before we become the doorway through which the new consciousness that has been trying to manifest within us may be birthed. Sometimes we just have to do things radically different in order to manifest the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. Because here's what Nicodemus said, not only can they go where they wish, but nobody... They're not stuck in a predictable pattern. Nobody can predict where it's coming from or where it's going. (laughs) So so what is your thing? Do you get to the doorway of a new possibility and shrink back because of fear? Do you want to get across the Jordan into a promised land, but there's a river of pain and sacrifice that you know you're going to have to go through while you leave behind your... Country and your family and your father's house or you leave behind whatever's got you boxed into predictability And you know in order for me to get there. It's going to be painful And so I shrink back Are you afraid of dying or are you afraid of living? Death is predictable. (laughs) But really living from the heart, really living engaged with God, really living being honest with yourself and saying, my heart desires more and I'm willing to push myself past those comfort zones in order to go for it. never forget uh, Dr. Mark Sharona, one of the first times I heard him back in 2000, talking about walking through a graveyard and wondering how many books were sitting in that graveyard that never got written, how many compositions, I'm sorry, how many um, cures for illnesses or how many, and most of us. We're not going to achieve that level of greatness. But how many legacies are lying in the coffins? How many dreams and things left untried? And I remember him, because he's a musician first. And I remember him talking about compositions. And him wondering how many songs never to be never were sung that were laying in those coffins. How many. Things were in those bones that had never been released. And he started talking about don't die with your music still in you. And see, here's the problem. Sometimes what's music to us doesn't sound like music to anybody else around us. Sometimes to do this thing, you gotta really be willing to walk to the beat of your own drum. <laughs> you gotta be willing. To blaze a trail for yourself. <laughs> In the expanse of eternity, your life is but a vapor that appears for a moment and then vanishes. Every day is precious. I remember my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies of all time, is Dead Poet Society. And it's not because it's necessarily that great of a movie, but it's because of the time period in my life when it came out because I was just either just graduated or just getting ready to graduate from high school. And so you sit there with your youth thinking, okay, I'm really leaving my family, my father's house. I'm, I'm really doing this. And, and you hear, you know, I've got my whole life in front of me and, and all this stuff. And I remember Robin Williams telling those, bo- those, those boys in prep school, you know, quoting, I can't remember the poet, but saying, you know, let's suck the marrow out of life. But somewhere along the way, that marrow's sour and bitter and <laughs> we lose our tenacity, we lose our interest, we lose our curiosity, we lose our sense of adventure, we, we lose that in our consciousness, but it still remains as a seed in the depths of our spirit. Abrams, an old man who's past the age of child rearing, who's nearing the end of his life, who's thinking about his legacy, and yet his music is still in him. And God gives him an opportunity to say, Abram, you don't have to die with your music still in you. But you got to believe something you didn't believe before. You've got to perceive something you didn't perceive before you gotta think something you never thought before and you gotta try something you never did before and somewhere in there I believe we can recapture that innocence and that passion of our youth where our heart begins to come alive and we begin to say every day is precious every day is a gift from God and I'm going to do everything I can in this day and in the next day to suck the marrow out of life, which means I'm going to get out of my predictability and I'm going to let the wind of the Spirit begin to carry me to where I wish and to where I long and to where I desire and not be predictable anymore and people are going to get mad because they control me by my predictability and they keep me in my bucks and they keep me doing the same things day after day after day because that's just how we've learned to live and relate within a system of control and they're going to make me feel guilty for wanting to move out of it and yet it's the evidence that I'm born of the Spirit. It's evidence that I've been born from above. It's evidence that I'm seeing something I never saw before because I'm moving in the power of the kingdom of God because the waters from above, the higher consciousness, the higher mind of God has come into me. is met in my heart. It's awakened my spiritual potentialities to manifest something new and to manifest life upon the earth. And I become the doorway through which the heaven as it is on heaven or as it is in heaven, so it becomes upon the earth. And all of it is by grace through faith. It's in you. Abram represented you. See, here's the thing I want you to get. It's already in you. Because Abram was your representative and he received it on your behalf so that every single person in the sound of my voice that will ever hear this message is imprinted with the blessing of Melchizedek. It just has to be awakened and activated. And when you hear this, that's what I'm doing. I'm awakening it inside you. I'm activating that seed in your life to stir up your dreams, to stir up your desires, to stir up your heart, to speak to the divine nature within you what you came here to accomplish so that you can fulfill it. And you too can be born from above, born of the Spirit, move where you want, do what you want, free like a bird, (laughs) mounting up with wings as eagles, running and not growing weary, walking and not fainting. A glorious adventure all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for everyone that will hear and receive this. Father, I pray a powerful infusion of the Holy Spirit right now. A powerful just descending of the water above. Lord, we open our hearts and our minds for healing presence to come. For healing presence to come and open up all the broken places of devastation. All the valleys that are in our hearts and lives. And I thank you that you are the God who was. That walks us out of those things. (laughs) and into newness of life. And we give you praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, saints, please say, Amen.